0: Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I'm Clive Whittingham from Love for Words and it is with great pleasure and no little relief that I inform you that this is the penultimate podcast of this seemingly... Never ending football season. We shall soon be free from the tyranny of the weekly Zoom meeting. It's basically a year to the day uh, since our first show of the season, and that feels like a whole lifetime ago, and certainly a very different world in which Neil and I trekked across London in the small hours of the morning to interview our shiny new manager, Mark Warburton, at the Harlington training ground. Much has happened since then, of course, lots of it bad, some of it good, not least are remarkable, completely unexpected, totally out of the blue and nonetheless very welcome, 4-3 home win against Millwall on Saturday. Just when you'd lost faith, just when you'd given up hope, just when you were questioning whether you even like QPR that much anymore, the buggers reel you back in, just like they always do. We'll be discussing that tonight. We also have transfer news to discuss, potentially Bright Say Samuel going out, although he doesn't seem very sure about that anymore. Potentially for Moore coming in. Although whether that hangs on the bright deal, we don't know. So maybe none of it's happening, but we'll talk about that. And we have a game tomorrow. Of course, we have a game tomorrow. We have a game every day. Uh, It's a strange one. West Brom, it means the absolute world to them uh, and absolutely nothing to us. It also means a fair bit to our friends, neighbours and colleagues down the Westway too. Justice League leaders, Spartak Hounslow, probably the best team we've played all season. And now after their stoke choke, in need of a favour from little old QPR. Here with me to discuss whether we actually want to win at West Brom tomorrow or not are three other Queen's Park Rangers fans, starting with our favourite mouth friend from Finsbury Park, Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Flo, how are you?
1: I'm all right. I love that alliteration. I'm <laughs> going to start putting that in my Twitter handle. That's a great one.
0: Put it on your LinkedIn. Do you actually want to win at West Brom tomorrow?
1: <laughs> um, I don't really care, to be honest. I think it would be quite funny... Stopping West Brom from going up at home, obviously, there's not any no not any fans. But I mean, they've really worked hard to throw this away over the past couple of weeks. They've really not been good enough, um, especially at one point in the season when they were by far and away the best team in the league. So that would be quite funny. And I think they could be in a lot of trouble if they don't get promoted this season because they've got a lot of players on big wages. But then at the same time, doing that sends either Brentford or maybe even Fulham up. I mean, I'm not that bothered about Brentford, to be honest. I think, you know, good luck to them. Um, They've been on a good project for a while, so go for it. Um, But obviously, I know a lot of fans don't feel the same way and would um, be crying into their tea if Brentford go up. So, yeah, I'm not that bothered, to be honest, either way.
0: Pray for Flo's Twitter mentions after that. Second up to the plate, Chris Charles from BT Sport. Chris, how are you, mate?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Um, yeah,
0: terrific. Yeah, really, uh, really good. Do you want to win at West Brom tomorrow?
2: Yes. I Well, mm, i I tell you, I definitely did. I definitely did, uh, I de- I definitely did um, want us not to, to win. Um, and yeah, just to, just to, just to shut those uh, fools up from down the road. Um, but... Having watched the game uh, a few days ago, Saturday, um, and I was cheering every goal like we'd um, we won the playoff final again. And I thought, I, I, I can't actually back my team to lose. I can't actually do it. Um, so, but if West Brom do win, as expected to, as long as we don't roll over, then I'm not going to be distraught if, if if it means West Brom and Brentford can't uh, uh, Fulham and West Brom can't go up uh, Jesus I'll start again Fulham and Brentford can't go up automatically um, I mean I, I know a lot of decent Brentford fans guys I used to work with my uncle Joe uh, whose name was actually Joe King believe it or not he was a, he was a, <laughs> he was a Brentford season ticket holder um, used to go to every game and, and he, he with my auntie Joan. And every every time uh, Brentford started attacking, he'd take a step to the right and shout, "Go on, Brentford!" By half time, she had to be fetching because he was always at the other end of the ground. So I always enjoyed hearing that story, and and he died sadly this year. So it would have been great if he'd seen them go up. But on the flip side, for every Uncle Joe and other other people I know, there are a lot of annoying Brentford fans who, the last couple of seasons, have become you know rightfully so, I guess, very smug. Um, and I, I just don't think I could, I could, I could take it for, for the whole of next season, them being in our face. Then
1: at least, Chris, they wouldn't be in the same division, so their smugness would be elsewhere, and they'd probably get relegated quite quickly.
2: Well, yeah, there is that, and there was one friend who is a friend who said, uh, you know, uh, any chance you could do us, to, to, to a few QPR pens on Facebook, any chance you could do us a favour and, and uh, not beat West Brom? And And, you know, on the plus side, it means we won't be taking six points off you, and I was with him up until that point, and then I thought, no, do one, mate.
0: You know. Uh, third into bat, a new face, Martin Patterson. Good evening, mate. How are you? Hey, you
3: dude. You okay? Everyone all right?
0: Good. A bit better after Saturday. Um, <laughs> now uh, Martin is with us tonight uh, because prior to the start of the season, which I think was sometime in the early to late middle ages, he very kindly uh, signed up to be one of the podcast patrons. Details of how you can do likewise for next season will no doubt appear on our social media over the coming weeks. But basically, it's kind donation chipped in uh, by a number of supporters to pay for the running of the podcast, equipment editing, trendy knitwear for Harry the Engineer, that sort of thing. Uh, so thank you for that, Martin. Very generous. And to okay. everyone that's helped out over the course of the season, as a sign of our gratitude, you get the dubious pleasure of spending the next 45 minutes talking to us about football. But we do have a win to talk about from the weekend. Uh, Millwall, where on earth did that come from? Chris, I listened back to last week's show uh, and was mortified, to be honest, because about 25 minutes from the end, David Fraser said, should Mark Warburton be sacked? And instead of just saying no, I decided to <laughs> set off on a 25-minute monologue during which nobody else spoke, and you all looked terribly bored. Uh, so, I'm going to come to you first, mate. <laughs> put, myself, put myself on mute and let, you can talk to me about Millwall and say whatever you like for as
2: long as you like. <laughs> Never bored listening to you, Clive, or indeed uh, reading your reports. Um, it was epic, but epic in a good way, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, we were sort of back to where our pre-lockdown swashbuckling we're going to score one more than you best, I thought. And as I said, I, did, I cheered every goal that went in. I was like, in my heart, and my mouth, a large... Parts of the game, Um, it could have been could and should have been four all. I I think we probably did enough to nick it. And having you know given Manning a bit of a coating last week, I thought he was exceptional on Saturday. Um, Everything he did was brilliant. Certainly going forward, maybe a couple of lapses back. Uh, I thought Easy was was much better. And this was all without Bright. I say Samuel, who was supposedly. Um, in Belgium uh, although we'll come to that later but apparently that he, he might be heading to Leicester now who knows um, we will come to that one later but yeah I was, it was a genuinely exciting game one that I was happy um, to forgo the rest of my season ticket uh, money for uh, a, a classic worth the entrance fee alone. loan um, it's just a real shame that we couldn't have gone in like that uh, from the start of lockdown and hit the ground running as I've said before because I, I think probably seventy—I'm not okay. Playoff was unlikely, but probably seventy-one points will do it. And you just think, you just look at what could have been, uh, and and just don't, don't wish we'd done it sooner. But can't really say, can't really snag them off. We did let three in, but then that's sort of been the the, the mark of this season. Um, but just nice to sign off with a with a win at home.
0: Martin, how did it look from Sonny Swanich?
3: It was really good. I didn't want it to end actually. Um... <sighs> They were a lot better, weren't they, all round? Um, the commitment, look there again. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Is it? I, I honestly don't know what what to say about it now, really. It was, we were good in spells, defended terribly. Another goal from a corner, wasn't it? We let him. How many times we've we done that this season? I'm real, isn't it? But um, yeah. we scored one from a corner as well, didn't we, Masterson? Which is good. Um, but yeah. Like I said, I didn't really want it to end. Um, it's just frustrating because it's uh, it's a sort of what could have been. What
2: yeah. could have been if we'd
3: been like that from the from the first game after lockdown. You know, it's not a strong league. I don't think it's a strong league. There's certainly from four, five, six down. I don't think they're much better than us. Those sides and Millwall certainly aren't. And they're I think they're still seventh, aren't they? So um, yeah, a bit of a shame really. It's a, it's a sort of what could have been, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and taking six points off Millwall, like you say, seventh seventh place for him. I thought chair was excellent on uh on Saturday. the assist for Eze's goal was just sex, really, wasn't it? I just just unbelievable little touch there. Flo, what did it uh, what did it look like to you?
1: Yeah, more of the same, really. Just like Martin, it was just chaos, but really enjoyable, and that's the main thing. You know, it's been a while since we had fun enjoying QPR and it was nice to just kind of see that Warburton madness unfold and just see us going for it a little bit more. We just had been so subdued since restart. So it was great to just see us going for it and just kind of letting people off the leash and kind of thinking, yeah, if you want to have a pop from 30 yards, fuck it, just go for it. If it hits the crossbar, great. Like at least it's a shot on target, you know? I think there's been too much kind of, trying to be too clever as well. And maybe that's trying to be smarter with our resources because we're thinking, oh, if we push too hard with Eze and Bright, maybe they'll get injured. If we push too hard with Manning, maybe he'll get injured. Well, Bright says Samuel gave himself cramp just giving us that equal, like equaliser against Luton. So, you know, you might as well go as far as you can with those players. And we were a bit lucky in the end to escape with three points because Mill had those two got disallowed goals one in right at the end um and it's obviously impossible to tell on on the stream whether or not it's offside because you've only got you know one main camera that you can really pick from and we know at Loftus Road that most of the pitch is unviewable from tv cameras but yeah it it was loads of fun loads and loads of fun and I just wish we'd got more of that really it was sad that it came so late but it was a great way to put Manning and Eze on the shop window and really just showed why, like Martin said, this league is enjoyable and open, but the quality isn't great. And someone like Millwall, who's been touted as this like playoff surprise and Gary well, Gary Rowett's done so well um, in charge of them, really, you know, it doesn't take a lot to beat some of the teams in this league and it's just so frustrating when when we can't do it, when you see how actually easily some of them can be turned over.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm there was one one thing, you know, I mean, we talked about all the improvements in the players. David Moyes being in the stands might have had something to do with it if you're being uh, completely cynical. Hopefully not. I'm I'm hoping that, I think Warburton for the first time after Sheffield Wednesday, I think we, we touched on that, was, was genuinely upset with his players, um, went against his normal um, uh, policy of, of not putting the boot in at all and demanded a, a reaction. I'd like to think, certainly going forward, he... You know, he got it. I mean, the one, one uh, disappointed bit of the 4 3 not being just a standard, uh, boring 2 0 defeat at home was that Clive in the match report said. Uh, I thought I was going to have to pass pad it out with the story of my old man being cornered by a circus lion in Grimsby. And, you know, I would love to actually hear that tale sometime. So
0: Well I, just wait until uh wait until we have a nil nil and I'll definitely uh I'll definitely do that. What do we did we uh buy Warburton's excuse this week for conceding off corners that uh Millwall will just have loads of tall players. Apparently, I mean, who knew? <laughs> they are
3: big, aren't they? They, <laughs>
0: they are big, but we don't we don't play them every week. And like like you no. said, Martin, we uh, we do concede off corners rather a lot. Um, I thought that one had counted at the end. I thought it was four <laughs> four. I had a little strop in my living room over that one. But uh, are we? Uh, I guess it's quite a young defence, isn't it? Kake and Masterson. I'm scrabbling around for excuses. I mean, what do we think?
3: I mean, Barbe's a bit. I I really really want to like Barbe. I really want to like him, and I do. I've
1: that's given up Martin, so don't worry.
3: Yeah, it's 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 a tough one, isn't it? Because he's so frustrating, so frustrating. When he looks good, it's when he's doing something last ditch, like a last ditch challenge and stuff like that. But when he has time to pick a pass, he he doesn't look great to me. I don't I don't know what you think, but that that's what it
1: looks like to me. Well, his his USP was supposed to be that he's a ball playing. Centre back of the John Stones variety, but the problem is he's completely immobile, just like John Stones is. He has no self awareness. The man never looks around to see who's around him, whether that's his teammates or other or the opposition. And it frustrates me so much. And I know when I've you know criticised Barbet before, lots of people said you know part of the reason we went on that good March run was because of Bar-Bay, um, You know pre pre lockdown, but maybe you know it's maybe he's one of those players that unfortunately for him when he's terrible he stands out like a, a sore thumb and when he plays well you never realize and perhaps that perhaps that's the issue but i think he's been so poor since coming back and i know he was yeah. injured for a little bit so he's kind of thrown back in at the deep end but yeah i just don't really see his value and you know forcing him to take free kicks as well hasn't shown <laughs> anything at all so yeah i'm kind of I'm kind of losing patience but he did do that good block um on Saturday so yeah well done to him <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> it
0: was a token token bit of praise at the end there shall he um uh two players uh, one who I gave a bit of stick to last week I thought don Ball's been pretty poor since everybody decided he was the second coming, and I think we've all got our problems with Luke Amos but I thought both of them played really well on uh, at the weekend Ball was apart I, I gave Man of the Match to Chair just I thought Chair was unbelievable but um, Don Ball was was charging around like a man possessed at once so he, like not entirely in control of his uh, of his own body and actions but uh, it was strange, strangely effective
2: yeah I don't think he's going to be going to West Ham anytime soon. So that, that that, that can't have been the David Moyes effect, I don't think, but yeah, he, 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 he was much better. Again, he's a lot of them look like they've sort of been, you know, to use the phrase running in treacle since, since after lockdown and just, you know, it was quite telling again, we've covered this, that all the QPR hierarchy were, you know, questioning why the season was starting too soon and almost seemed to be surprised. It was starting that soon. Um, and it, it seems like some of them are literally just coming back to the levels they were at before. Have finally played themselves fit. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, Ball was really good. Amos was um, was, was pretty poor. Um, and that's being kind. Like oh, I, the, the games are coming so fast. I can't remember. It was either the Luton game, might have been the Wednesday game when no one came, and that was much credit. Um, but yeah, we need because let's face it, we're going to you know lose a lot of these guys over the summer. So we need some of these players um, to start getting back to their best. Uh, This next season is going to be so difficult to to call, even now, as to whether we're going to be top six, bottom six, challenging for promotion, dead certs to be relegated. All depends on that.
0: We'll be 16th, Chris. Let me kill (laughs) kill that uh, that suspense for you straight away. We'll be be 16th, mate. Next season is actually only seven and a half weeks away, apparently. Pre-season starts in three weeks, which seems utterly mental. on Manning and the David Moyes thing, as as good as Manning was at the weekend, and you know, I, as I said last week, I'm a big fan of Manning, but he has been poor over the summer. I did think for the Matt Smith goal, you you saw how Manning struggles defensively sometimes because it started off with our throw in that him and Eze made a bit of a mess of, gave a throw in to Millwall, and literally within one throw and one pass, and Wallace just ran off the back of him, and he just he didn't even know he'd gone, and it, you know it was his man, and then. Wallace Cross for it. I mean, like I say, I love Manning, but like Barbe, we do struggle in... Well, we struggle all over the defence, really, but we do struggle in that left channel a lot. Those two those two seem to get uh, exposed quite a bit to me. And, and as good as Manning was at the weekend, I did I did think that goal, watching it back, I was like, nah. you know, that's, uh, that tells you a lot about Manning's defensive uh, frailties at left back, I think.
3: It's um, quite a lot with him, though, isn't it? This- yeah.
0: He's so good going forward. Yeah. Uh, And like I say, he's a really good player. I don't know if his future lies back in midfield or whatever, but as the left-back, he does keep getting caught out defensively and players running off the bat. That was just a really stark example for me. Um, Brighter say, Samuel, uh, withdrew from the squad on Friday. Heard Friday morning that he wasn't in the squad because we'd accepted a bid. Turns out that bid is from... Club Bruges, uh, who are Champions League team next year, Uh, it's in the region of four point five something million pounds. Although there's some suggestion today that he doesn't actually want to go there, and it's his agent that's been pushing it, and actually wants to go to Leicester or Brighton or Fulham or any number of places. What do we think? I mean, it's pretty obvious he's going to go, isn't it? With his contract up in a year, although we do get compensation when that contracts up, it wouldn't be a free transfer, but What do we think of the fee? Um, Because there's this ongoing criticism of QPR selling players for less than we think they're worth. Um, 4.5-something million for Bright. Martin, what do you you think? I think
3: in October we'd have taken that, wouldn't we? Definitely. If someone said we were going to get 4.5 for Bright at the end of the season in October, we'd have been, oh, definitely. Snap the hands off. But how he's played since... Probably that Birmingham game away when everything seemed to click and he got that he scored that really good goal. Um which is goal of the season voted today, was not it? I think. But anyway, yeah. Um I don't know. Is it would has Covid change that amount? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough one. I like him a lot, um, but like Chris said, we didn't miss him on Saturday, did we? So I don't know. Um I take it, I think.
0: Is he, I mean, I guess they're hoping to get the uh the bidding war that Lee Hoos, has, Lee Hoos has always defended our transfer policy, saying, Well, there was only one club in for Smithies, Furlong, whoever else. Yeah, it seems pretty obvious that they're trying to get a bidding war stoked up, which is why they're coming out and saying, Oh, yeah, we've accepted a bid, like yeah, trying yeah. to make teams aware that this is happening and and get that bidding war going. Chris, do you think he's cheap at that price?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I you know. I, I agree you know that pre october pre the pre goal it was always yeah he's good, he's quick, but he's got no end product that was all, all the thing that was leveled at him um clearly that's changed since then again he's not he hadn't had a brilliant lockdown um and, until the Luton game um when he was it was pretty decent um yeah i mean clearly i i really you know you look at what players are going for these days. And certainly pre lockdown you 'd think if there 'd been three or four years left on his contract, we could have maybe got ten million for him, but um, given the current circumstances if, if we can get a bidding war and we can get to seven then i 'd be happy with that. But if he wants to go and he 's got a year, a year left of his contract then we 've got no choice really we 've got it if, if, and four point six million yeah it 's not as much as I would have wanted, but I, I, it 's not, not a complete snip at least we get something for him, and if we use that money wisely, then then fair enough. And I think people are saying, well, we should have got him in a longer con- contract. But then who would have said get him on a longer contract um, pre-October? So it's it's a difficult one.
0: I mean, I, I, I think a big part of the problem with Bright is that Steve McLaren and it, with Manning and Bright, they should have been playing, and I said at the time, they should have been playing more last season. And then you know their maturity and this form might have come sooner, and then you got a better chance of getting the contract renewed. You know, I put a lot of the blame of, of, of this at the, at the door of McLaren. Really, I mean, Manning was out on loan at Rotherham last year. If you, you know, that's that's only a season ago that we were doing that. However, this is a persistent criticism of QPR that we allow assets like Charlie Austin to drift towards the end of contracts and end up getting less money than we should. flow. is that criticism of the club justified?
1: I think it's justified, but it's not something that's unique to QPR. It's something that every single club struggles with. It's a classic you know, season struggle for most clubs is tying down their big players who are sought after to big contracts. And I've talked about West Brom and, and Nathan Ferguson before, and it looks like they're going to get. You know, he's he was revealed today at Palace, which is where he was always going to sign, and they are going to try and get money for him in January. But they're probably going to get about maybe four million um for him in in a tribunal. So, in reality, you know, it's it's the same struggles. These are these aren't unique to QPR. Everyone is facing these problems, and you can't force a player to sign. And as soon as Bright got a whiff of know, how good he was in relation to other players in the league. And we realised that too, it was almost too late. And like you said, Clive, I think if we'd pushed harder with him and not just limited it to a few substitution appearances where you just ask him to bomb down on the wing and then have a shot when he hadn't really, I think, finessed his his finishing yet. He's got six goals this season, eight assists, nearly in double figures for assists. So he's really come on as a player, but that's because he's got a lot of game time. So I think we could have we could have secured them. We'd, we could have secured him if we'd put more confidence in him earlier on, and maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. But I think Martin's right. In the grand scheme of things, with everything that's gone on with COVID, with the long break, we can't be too disappointed with the money. I think with everything else, I think it's it's not the end of the world. And he came into such good form so quickly that. We you know, we weren't to expect that this was going to be one of our big things to, to flog this summer. So I think it's the best we can get, really. And if, if we manage to fight and, and create some kind of bidding war and push it more towards eight, which I think is what people were hoping for, then uh, even better. But it, I think it's just, it just goes back to it doesn't matter what we get. We've got to spend it wisely. And then we, I guess we move on to Huma Roof then because for us, chucking potentially two to three million at a player is a big risk and, and we you know did that with Connor washington and it didn't pay off so are we willing to do the same again is this a, a more comfortable and less risky option um it, it's hard to know so i think that's the that's the more important thing is fantastic if we get the money but then we've got to spend it wisely
0: the bright thing, the, I have to say, the bright thing does niggle me. And I, I mentioned, I mentioned McLaren there. I remember Middlesbrough away last year. I think we lost two nil. I think we were losing one nil after about ten seconds, or what, it was one of those, you know, big rewards for for doing a seven hundred mile round journey QPR type performances. I think Bright came on for the last twenty minutes, and I gave him man of the match because you know he was he was just our our best player, even though he would only been on the pitch for twenty minutes. And I remember, I won't name names, but one of the uh, one of the people that works quite high up at the club I, I just saw him on the way out that day and he was fuming at how little game time Bright was getting and basically said words to the effect of well I won't repeat it but <laughs> he, was, he was not happy that, um, that Bright wasn't getting these minutes so the club knew back then even though McLaren didn't seem to what they had in Bright and I don't know. It, it, with him in particular, it feels slightly short-sighted that his contract, that he was we've been allowed this situation to develop, where he suddenly started playing well this season when he's only got 18 months on a deal. I guess you could say if they weren't if they weren't sure last year, then you can't be handing contracts out. But they seem to give contracts out to people like Shadipo and Hammerline, and you know, in the vague hope that they turn into championship players. It just it does niggle me that Bright's been allowed to to get into this situation where he suddenly starts playing well, but his, contract, uh, his contract's up. Um, like you say, assuming he is going and we are getting money for him, it looks like, well, the the, the story during the rounds is that we are going to try and spend some of that on Kiefer Moore, the striker who scored against us last week uh, for Wigan, is potentially a yeah, champion. Sorry, I don't
1: know why I'm going on about, I'm in my... Um... West Indies Cricket, cricket is what I just named. I'm still thinking about the England game yesterday, not. My brain uh, Keith is Keith Moore, a championship,
0: a championship striker for two million quid. That's uh, It's a collector's item. It's potentially a, a real live striker that we can own all for ourselves. Chris, good signing, bad signing. What, what would you think if we got him through the door?
1: Um,
2: well, two million for a striker, you're going to, you know, like... Connor Washington, the three million. I mean, he did it. In a, he had a, basically a purple patch for Peter, purple patch for Peterborough, seven games and eleven go, uh, seven goals in eleven games. I'm going to be teething today or something like that. Um, whereas um, Moore seems to have has done it in the championship. Um, I don't know that much about him. Um, I saw. I've seen him play. I've obviously seen him score a goal against us. He seems quite decent. I, I think it's worth taking a punt on. Um, uh, he, that surname Moore does worry me though. Know, having had Stefan Moore um, on our books not too long ago, so that gave me the shivers a little bit. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'd be happy with that.
0: Martin, you you uh, you looking forward to him coming in if if indeed he is?
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it's something we we do tend to do. We do t- tend to overhype players, don't we? As a club and as fans, I think we just Washington is a good point on that. I think I think we. He came in for Austin, and everybody was, "Ah, uh, he's going to be brilliant." He scored so many goals for Peterborough and whatever. But I think, um, yeah, I think we just got to sort of remember where we are now. This is what we're doing, and yeah, like you say, it's going to be our striker rather than a than a loan deal. So, yeah, I mean, he he doesn't really fit what Warburton was tending uh, tending to do, was he? With you know, he got rid of Smith and Smith, a similar sort of build. Um, so I don't know, but he's a bit more mobile, I think, isn't he?
0: You, yeah, I suppose you could hardly be less mobile than Matt Smith. But my my, my immediate thought was it, it did feel a bit weird to get rid of Matt Smith just to bring in Kiefer Moore a, a year later. That was that was the first thing that sprang to my mind. We've seen the problems with relying on loan strikers every year. It's dead money. They're expensive. It's dead money because we can't keep them at the end. Sometimes they're just not interested and you end up in a Tomahemed situation. Sometimes they're really good, and then you just lose them because they're not your player, like like Naki Wells, or you you get the sort of Hugill situation where we'd probably quite like him to come back, and the the wages uh, aren't there. We've discussed Championship striker market on on this podcast a lot. I guess if you can get a Championship striker for two million because of the situation we're in, Flo, you you have to take that chance, don't you?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think. Maybe we kind of watched him is a little bit different. At least we know that he can play at this level, um, but it's just—it's so hard to know because if it doesn't pay off, then you know it's going to be added to the pile of things that we've wasted money on. And if it does pay off, it's going to look like genius. So I just don't know what to think anymore. It's just so—it's so unpredictable. But I think, with in this case, yeah, it is less risky because we know he can score goals in the championship. But like you said. We had that in Matt Smith. It, it wasn't pretty, but he got the job done. He got the job done within two minutes of coming on on Saturday as well. So it's interesting if we're going for someone who's fairly similar to that. And Hugh Galls a fairly big presence in the box as well. Maybe a bit more, got a bit more to him than, than Matt Smith did. But yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And if we do do it, I just hope it pays off. But I, I quite I've quite enjoyed Hugo. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a donkey at times, but he's done well above I think what a lot of people expected him to do. And if we could get him for another season, perhaps pay less of his wages, then I I don't think that would be too bad. It's just how much longer can we go on doing that? You know, eventually we're gonna have to pull the trigger on someone. So it might as well be someone who's got experience in the championship fairly cheap in the grand scheme of things and see how it goes.
0: It's quite a unique situation at Wigan as well isn't it? That's not going to come up every now and again like I say you're not going to be able to to pick a striker up like that for, for that sort of money because that situation at Wigan is just so weird and opportunity has presented itself. I mean the deal's not done yet and uh, it, would be, uh, it would be very QPR to uh, go hot and heavy on this and then he turns up at Preston. I'm looking you know Looking forward to the online meltdown when a player we hadn't even considered on Thursday doesn't sign for us, um, but up there with uh, when we released Peter Peter Skapetis. Possibly, um, I've got the numbers the, to compare Moore and, and Hugel. I mean, I think we're slightly harsh on Moore, comparing him to Matt Smith, and uh, nor is he the play, nor is he a similar player to Hugel, really. But in theory, unless West Ham are going to swallow a portion of Hugel's salary, then. That is who he's going to replace in our team. They've both got quite similar backgrounds. They kicked around non league clubs. Uh, Moore was at Dorchester, Yeovil, Forest Green, and Torquay. Who list of non league clubs is incredible. Some of the names Siam Red Star, they sound great. Uh, Conset, Jerez Industrial, or Jerez Industrial, they sound brilliant. And uh, And Whitby Town. Their numbers for their last three clubs, Hooghill got 30 goals in 114 games for Preston, seven goals in 41 for Borough and has 15 in 41 for us, which is 52 in 196 games or a goal every 3.7 games more. 13 in 25 for Rotherham, 23 in 51 for Barnsley and nine in 35 for Wigan, which is 45 in 111. Or one every two point four six games, so much better goal per game record. Although Barnsley and Rotherham, I think, were League One goals uh, mostly. Um,
2: Yeah, but that's not too that's not too shabby, is it? I I, I think a lot of um, I mean, I definitely like I say, it's two unique set of circumstances. If we get him for two million, I think that's fair dues. Hugo, uh, yeah, I'm sure that West Ham could come to some sort of arrangement where he's included as part of the Eze deal, but it's the wages that are the problem. Rather than the fee, um,
0: West, West Ham might be willing to swallow some of that. Just you see, I mean, we used to do that all the time, didn't you? You end up paying forty percent of the player's wage while he plays for somebody else. So yeah, yeah,
2: it's true. Um, I, I, I guess a lot of who we sign is going to be dependent on what sort of money we get for Eze. We talked about Bright, say Samuel. Eze is in a different position because I think with the with the option, it's two years left on the contract, which um, is a lot healthier position to be. And we, we all assume he's going to go the end of the season, we all assume um, it's going to be to a Premier League club. Uh, And if you listen to the chat from all the people we've spoken to lately, players, ex-managers, and current uh, management staff, then he should be playing for a top top six team. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, I I don't know, how much much would you realistically want to see him go for? What would you be happy with?
0: I think if he doesn't, like you say, with two years on his contract, if we don't get serious wedge for Eze. Then the knives really are going to be out for for the club. We've mentioned the criticism they get. Um, there's always sort of an excuse to do with with FFP or contract length or this or that. None of those excuses, re- especially if you've already got some money in for Brighton, none of those excuses really exist for Reza. Do they? They, they? I think we need the only slight caveat. I would say he's not a not a particularly easy player to fit into a team, is he? Um, that's
1: what I'd say I said I, like, Bright is is more attractive to any club because he's much more versatile whereas Eze is going to require more patience but the thing with Eze is there's been a lot of chat and a lot of hype around him for a good two years now and lots of club, clubs reportedly interested you know I remember yeah about two, two years ago when there was you know Arsenal scouts at Loftus Road and things like that so the interest has been there for a while and it didn't spark a bit later like it did for Bright. So that's, that's the difference. They are quite different players. And if I, I would probably prefer to take Bright actually, because you could drop them in quite easily and he'd pick things up quite quickly. Whereas as is going to require someone who's ready to have a little bit of patience and potentially build their team around him. So the number of clubs that go in for him are looking for something quite specific, but it always seems like there's quite a few, you know, dotting around who are interested. And hopefully, I would like to see 10 million, double figures at least. Um, his
0: agent's certainly done his at- best. I, I, I don't think I've managed to put a podcast on in the last six months without Eze being one of the guests. I think he was on Gardner's Question Time the other week. So certainly, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, been
1: doing the rounds. He's
0: certainly sure. been doing the rounds, hasn't he? Martin, what do you reckon? 25 million and not a penny less?
3: Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, I don't know. It's, what do we? What do we... Compare him with price-wise. I mean, Belling. What did he go to Dortmund for? bellingham
0: Bellingham's gone for what, eighteen or eighteen twenty million-ish? Yes. That's an interesting James comparison. Went for... Similar positions. Yeah.
1: Madison went for twenty-five to to Leicester, so that's, I guess, the, the top end-ish of of things. But Bellingham still going for that is pretty good given the current circumstances. But we've got to get we've got to get double figures. We've got to get double figures. Oh, <laughs> I,
2: I, I'd be. be I'd be I wouldn't be. I, I think more than that. I think twenty million is a ballpark figure. Oh,
1: do you think tw- twenty mi- I'd be I'd be like p- popping party poppers if we got twenty million. I'm
2: not going to be devastated. I'm sort if of, of coming are. to the
1: realization of of 12, 10 to twelve million. But oh, if it was twenty, that'd be incredible.
2: No, I think he is, I think, you know, people really, I, I think I agree with you that Bright is easier to slot into a team because what he does is quite traditional runner player, players, player, beat players, set up goals, score goals. I think Eze, you know, once he's got better players around him, like he has done, you know, when he's been for England under-21s, and the guys that have been on in camp with him have just, like, marvelled at how good he is. I just think if, he, if he's got some really good players around him, I think he's going to... Flourish in any side, and I'll probably be proved completely wrong this time next year when he's like uh, rotting away in somebody's reserves. But um, yeah, I, I just think, as Clive said, there's there's so much hype around him as well um, that I, I think we should be looking for for twenty million. And also, if we don't if we don't get that, then made up to twenty million with add-ons.
0: I see. I'm with you, Chris. I just. I haven't said, I didn't see very much more from players like Madison or Grealish when they were in the championship than I've not seen from Eze. I think he, he can easily be in that category of player. Um, I've, You know, I know Bellingham's a lot younger and has obviously been sort of touted as this wonder kid since he was very young at Birmingham and has, they've got 18 million for him. But again, I haven't seen Bellingham do anything that I haven't seen Eze do and we really can't undersell this one. I think you know, the club can answer a lot of critics by getting big money for for A or they can really stoke the fires up by by letting him go on the on the cheap well, with, the, right, with all the caveats think? in mind about COVID and effect on transfer market and and all of that. It's not it's not a great time to be selling. I think Reading are selling John Swift, who always seems to play well against us to Sheffield United for. Three and a half million quid, which sounds that's a very QPR price for for a good player, isn't it? So we, no, I guess it is. we've got to see how the market falls, but I think we should be looking for massive money for Eze. I, I think I think he's unbelievable talent.
1: But do you think there's a sense that, and maybe I'm being kind of overly, maybe too, maybe I'm being a bit sort of narratives here. But do you think there is a, an aspect which is other clubs know that we're desperate for the cash? so they know that they can pay what they like and we kind of have to accept it. I know Birmingham are kind of in a similar position, so actually the Bellingham deal would be in a similar case, but there were lots of big clubs interested in Bellingham, so they know that they could create a bit of a bidding war around that, Man United being one of them. Whereas a lot of the clubs that are fishing around for our players are sort of mid-table Premier League clubs or low-table Premier League clubs, Crystal Palace, West Ham. So perhaps there's a kind of, I don't want to say bullying, but they know that we need the cash. So is there a sense that they can just be like, take it or leave it, 10 million, and so that's your lot?
0: But if if we have got some money for Bright and we are going out and and buying a player for two and a half million quid for the first time in a number of years, that does send a positive message out to, to other clubs that, well you know, we've sold the one we needed to sell. Now you, you, you can't have as a, you can't have as a for buttons.
1: I hope so, because it does always seem like we've been so desperate that we basically are just, you know, we just need to get rid. And therefore we can't, we can't haggle. We can't negotiate and clubs probably realize that. And, it works definitely to our disadvantage, but there's so many other teams in the same boat and I'm sure that they feel like it's not fair to them either. I mean, Neil Mope and Fulham are a revolving door of, of, of selling players for a lot of money, but Neil Mopay went for... What 20 was it? 25 million to to Brighton, and I yeah, don't. Yeah, Brent, Brentford, Brentford always get work.
0: massive money. They got 12 million for Chris Meffham, which I mean, you know, God bless him, he's QPR fan and everything. But the way he played at Loftus Road last year, for, to to think that those two centre backs, when we actually beat Brentford 3-2, the two centre backs that played that day, Conser and Mether, they got 20 million quid for those two, and they got, they they didn't look that much better than and Lynch and Leitner that day. And you know, you I wouldn't have Lynch. It's and It's part of that though.
1: reputation, like that. right? Yeah, it's we part of to... that reputation that they know what they're doing and you know, they're a factory of great talent and they, you know, their, their scouts know what they're doing and, and we basically don't. So you can't trust us to be able <laughs> well, to plot something. Said, is that, uh, that's you said sense? that,
0: not me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, probably worth saying at this point that Eze basically swept the boards at the player of the year thing today. Uh, main player of the year, players player of the year. He didn't get goal of the season. Bright got that for the Birmingham goal. I thought Eze is at Stoke. Yeah, I was. Martin, getting, yeah, I, I thought that was. Yeah, was. Bright got Young Player of the Year, second in a row. I think, I think Eze does qualify for that. But m- most people seem to have done exactly what I've done, which was vote Eze for the main award and then back that up by uh, by voting for Bright uh, for the Young Player award. And Dean McKee got Support of the Year posthumously, which I thought was a really great touch. Uh, Martin, any arguments, any complaints? Did you vote differently in that?
3: No, no, that's that's. Um... As as you'd expect, really, isn't it? I can't think anybody else was really up for it. Um, no, it's, those two really deserved it, didn't they? There's there's not been anything else. You could put Manning into that, but he's not a young player now, is he? So I don't know. No.
0: What do you think of the goal? What do you think of the goal of the season? Did you go for the Birmingham one or the the Stoke one? I mean, it was actually it was quite good to watch them all. We have scored some amazing goals this year, to be fair to us.
3: Birmingham one, yeah. I thought that was a great goal. Yeah, and it's, he sort of going back to what we were saying earlier that sort of pushed him to another level didn't it really so it sort of stuck in my mind although that SA goal against Stoke was was quality wasn't it It was a great team goal but yeah um bright for me for that yeah definitely
0: uh we're getting into our end territory uh I wanted to mention that the point deduction the EFL have basically said that Derby's potential point deduction Sheffield Wednesday's potential point deduction and Wigan's appeal against their point deduction, none of that is going to be decided upon before the last set of games tomorrow. Uh, So by my reckoning, I mean, pure EFL, by my reckoning, there are a good 10 teams, not including ourselves, thankfully, but only just, there are a good 10 teams that don't actually know after tomorrow's games whether they are planning, bearing in mind next season, is seven and a half weeks away, whether they are buying, selling, planning and budgeting for a League One season or a Championship season, which just seems absolutely incredible to me. I mean, Wigan, fair enough, maybe. That's only a couple of weeks old. But this Derby and Sheffield Wednesday situation is literally years old. You couldn't write this stuff, Chris.
2: No, absolutely not. I I, I did hear whispers that they that their points might come off next season. Um, but, I, 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 you know, I, like you say, the EFL made a right ear 0 this basically um, and this whole selling your ground back to yourself, I mean, Jesus, that, that someone needs to be made an example of for that. But, yeah, it, it, for the teams down at the bottom as well, I mean, you know, not knowing if you're actually relegated, it reminds me of the full-end situation, you know. I mean, at least that did get resolved like two hours before kickoff, so the players knew they could, they could actually celebrate. But, but, yeah, the whole thing is just ludicrous. And, and, and now, so, as it stands, so, if Wigan if we can don't win, uh, if, I think they're 12 points ahead at the moment, but if they get picked at the post, then they're going to be relegated on uh, Wednesday, but then they could be reinstated the following week and someone else could go down. I mean, it's just yeah. gee, comedy. It would, it would be comedy if you're not playing with people's livelihoods. It's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, I, I, I don't like to see any club, you know, uh, being losing points and being punished. But I also do think that you know, we've been made an example of, and and, and this—if you do sell so, your ground back to yourself, then you deserve some sort of a coating for that.
0: Yeah, some of these clubs have been taking the piss, <laughs> basically. But apparently, no resolution tomorrow. There is a scenario, I think, where the bottom three tomorrow could all end up being—if they did—if were they to deduct a lot of points off Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, I think you could end up with a bottom three after the final set of games tomorrow that, in several weeks' time, in a courtroom, changes to a completely different set of, set of teams. You could end up with. Wigan, Chef Wednesday, and Derby all staying up tomorrow, and then three weeks down the line, it turns out that they've all they've all gone and Barnsley, Hull, and Luton have survived after all. It's just uh, it's proper fast. Um,
2: oh, it's like ultimate VAR. This is only you've, you've been
0: waiting for three weeks. Yeah. Uh, well, that that was mine anyway. I also wanted to mention Angel Rangel as suspected last week has snapped his Achilles. Is out for nine months. Bless him, old father time. I think he'll do well to come back from that. But he did uh, seem in good spirits today. Mentioned that the uh, the surgery had gone well. So. Uh, all the best to him, and well, I suppose we wait and see what happens with his uh, future. But uh, yeah, ours end. Who wants to go next? Don't all oh, rush in on. once. Flo, wash your ours end. Come on. Well,
2: there's a couple in the absence of Finney. I'm going to have a couple. Well, first of all, a big, big anniversary today. 15 years since the Ibiza Cup win, uh, which sits proudly <laughs> uh, sits proudly in the trophy cabinet. I've witnessed it myself on several occasions. Fine award for a fine performance. So, yeah, hats off to them. Um, Jamie Mackey retired, by all accounts. I, 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 I did see that. I, don't, I haven't seen it confirmed. But, yeah, um, a great servant to the club, to use that tired old cliché. Um, gave it his all. Very memorable moments. Liverpool, obviously, Derby away. Um, the goal, Getting a goal against Man City um, that nearly lost them the league. Um, yeah, and brilliant on TikTok as well so yeah, hats off to Jamie Mackey and yeah, just touching on the awards I would have gone for the Stoke goal but um, Dean McKee, support of the year brilliant, um, I, I've met him a few times He's a great guy to talk to brilliant poet obviously did the stuff that's played before um, and the poem that was played before every QPR home game awful, awful loss for somebody so young and I, I, you know, it, it's a fitting tribute
0: I wonder if we, uh, in in memory of the Ibiza Cup uh, anniversary, whether uh, Harry could uh, queue up the Champions League theme to to, to play us out. Well, uh, <laughs> leave that one with you, Harry. What's
1: Ibiza it? Remix version of it. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, Harry, can you League. just do
0: us an Ibiza Remix version of the Champions League theme in the next what <laughs> yeah. sort of three minutes, mate? That would be great. Uh, Martin, do you have an hour's end?
3: Yeah, mine's just a short one, really. Just a transfer window. Um I just don't want us to do what we seem to do every pre-season with players, whether we either hype them up or get underwhelmed by them. the hyping up ones. You know, I said it earlier. I know it was a different window and everything, but Washington, just let players come. Let, let's see what they're like once they start playing for us rather than what they've been like for other teams and stuff. And get underwhelmed with the likes if we can go to Derry, Hall, um, even Dominic Ball last season. You know, it, who would have wanted Dominic Wall, honestly? No, we, no. Nobody would have, would, would they, really? Um, and he's been great this season. If he'd had a better um, time after after the lockdown, then maybe he could have been in that bracket for a, a surprise player of the year sort of thing, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, i just hopefully just let the transfer window, let them do what they're going to do. And we just have to trust them, I think. That's my I sort of at end,
0: yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, because like, like I thought that Don Ball just looked an absolutely ridiculous signing, like jobs for the boys he'd yeah. worked with Warburton before, I think Warburton had coached with his dad at Watford, hadn't yeah, been yeah. in the Rotherham team look, there is a lot to be said for for not rushing to judgment before we've actually seen these players and and how they fit into uh how they fit into our team, I guess yeah, um flow
1: hard to follow on from that, but. I agree with both Chris and Martin and, you know, stock means nothing. Sean Goss is enough to prove that, that where a player's come from is absolutely meaningless and uh, how they perform for us is much more important. So, um, yeah, looking forward to not having to watch QPR for a bit because the Millwall game was not enough to bring back some of that excitement that was lost over the past six weeks. But, um, yeah, I hope everyone has a good summer and... We'll probably see you all again in a few weeks.
0: That's Flo telling you all that she's not going to do uh, next week's podcast. I think so. We'll make a note of that.
1: Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> i had to do another one. Oh god.
0: <laughs> I think we've. I think we've all had enough now, right? <laughs> Honestly,
1: my brain is just complete sponge.
0: <laughs> oh, amazing predictions for tomorrow. What were we saying? Three nil or something? I, 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 yeah, I know we said as long as we don't roll over, but. I think we might. <laughs> we get money, don't we? If they we do. Off. It's a good, yeah. Oh, I mean,
2: over?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think oh, we, we get something. Apparently, we get something in the region of £125,000 extra for Darnell Furlong if West Brom are promoted. So I, maybe just shake hands on that and agree not to even turn up. <laughs> Chris, prediction.
1: I think we might get a goal to pretend like we tried. So I think it's going to be 3 1.
0: Pretend like we tried. <laughs> <It's the laughs> miracle of Castel de sangro all over again.
1: Um, well,
2: my head says uh, 3-0 to West Brom. Listen to um, it. Unlucky West Brom, uh, unlucky Fulham. So I probably won't dwell too long on that result. Uh, but my heart says we win 1-0 and Barnsley win 1-0 and Fulham gets stuffed as well. And then it's a win-win-win. For everybody, we we sign out on a high, uh, and those will have to go through the lottery of the playoffs.
0: You should put that bet on, cree I think if that comes in, you'll have enough to buy my house. <laughs> Martin, Martin finishes off with a uh, with a prediction.
3: I'm going to say I, it'd be so QPR if we won tomorrow. It'd be so QPR, um, but uh, two 0 West Brom.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. But uh, we'll always have Millwall. Um, so uh, so that's it. Penultimate podcast wrapped up. I think uh, we're coming back next week, although Flo has uh, already said that she's not. So uh, have a good summer, Flo. We'll see you uh, when next season starts. It's about 25 minutes, I think. So uh, enjoy that break. You've earned it. Um, I'll tell you what
2: God, what will be fun though is thinking tomorrow of. I wish we could have live feeds of all the Brentford and Fulham team fans around the tellies cheering on QPR what's, uh,
0: yeah what's what's poor Peter Gillam going to do tomorrow <laughs> I mean oh my heart goes out to the poor weirdo well um, <laughs> but anyway, um, well, thank you all for your company. Thank you everybody for listening. I think we are coming back next week, although when well, we've got the energy for it, maybe we'll just knock it on the head and uh, and see you in September. But uh, thanks for listening, Martin. Thanks for joining us. Nice to nice to meet you and uh, yeah. and talk to you for the first time. Thanks for your support this year. No and uh, yeah, this has been Open All Us.